Hi, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jared Kohler, and this is my podcast about design criticism and practice. On today's episode, I am talking to Randy Nakamura, who was one of my favorite writers in Immigre back in the early 2000s. Randy has worked as a designer, a writer, a teacher, and is currently finishing a PhD in architectural theory and history, actually. In this episode, we talk about his background in discovering design, what he learned from studying architecture theory, the state of current design discourse, and the void left by Emigre magazine, as well as his 2010 essay, The Uselessness of Design Criticism, which is an essay that uh, I really enjoyed and means a lot to me. Randy does not give many interviews and doesn't have much of an online presence, so I'm really honored to have had this time to talk with him and really enjoyed hearing his thoughts on design criticism, which he says is like broadcasting in the blind, and we talk about what that means. And I'm really happy to be able to share his work with people who may not have read him yet or, or kind of don't know uh, the work that he's done. So let's get into it. Enjoy this conversation with Randy Nakamura. I was thinking about this the last couple of days and knowing that I was going to talk to you and kind of thinking about the things I wanted to talk to you about. And I realized that you're kind of an interesting person compared to the other people that I've talked to so far in that I've read a lot of your writing, but don't actually know anything about you kind of mm-hmm. as a person or your background. You don't have a big uh, kind of public persona. Uh, and so I was curious if we could just kind of start there with a little bit of your background and kind of how you got started in, in design. Yeah, um, it's it, it's a it's it's a I guess it's an interesting story. Although there's a lot of um, probably leaps or gaps. <laughs> there always um, is to to kind of go back to like sort of where I started like officially. You know, basically way back in like undergrad and college. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was a biology major at Reed College up in Portland, Oregon. Oh. and and this has nothing really to do with design. <laughs> um, <laughs> Although I, I think it, I think in a sense it explains kind of like my academic trajectory, mm. even if not necessarily, necessarily specific to design, although it intersects at a lot of points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I think the thing to say to say about my undergrad, in a very general way, it was I think the um, Reed College is known kind of for, you know, it's kind of it's basically like a small liberal arts college in the middle, you know, the Pacific yeah. Northwest. Um, it was you know I went there in like the basically early '90s. You know, it seems about okay. like you know eon ago, um, but Portland was pretty much the same way it is today, just at a smaller scale. But but Reed specifically was like this. It was known for like they had a very rigorous academic kind of curriculum, almost like you would say you know in some ways very sort of traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas kind of like everything else in the school was like a complete free for all. Oh, so you know you kind of weird disparity between like this you know this almost like classics based like literally classics based curriculum for four years um you know on, on the academic side and on the flip side they you know everything else is like completely well i mean kind of by design or by by sort of neglect like just kind of doing whatever the hell you wanted to do yeah yeah <laughs> so it was a very interesting environment and, it, and it, you know i think you know the, the you know the you know it was you know it had this sort of classic trademarks of like all you know 
you know, all small colleges where you had like a very low student teacher mm-hmm. ratio and you had, to, you know, basically you were taught by seminars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you had like a few big lectures, especially for like intro classes, but it was like a seminar based curriculum. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that definitely made an impression on me. Um, I mean, this has nothing to do with like like design or graphic design yet, but I yeah. mean, I think in a, that sort of academic kind of lineage yeah it's interesting you know going into basically sort of how i teach today that that definitely you know affected it Mm -hmm. but i think a couple of or at least certainly one kind of moment i remember at reed was like you know i I like browsing like a certain section of their kind of like their kind of periodical area Mm. um and and one and and this is like something you know, I was like God, nineteen twenty years old, so I yeah. didn't really know anything about anything. But you kind of like gravitate toward things you find interesting. But I, I remember kind of looking a lot of this, like you know this this well this actually fairly well known journal called called October, hmm. which is kind of like the kind of classic New York art history, you know, art you know art history theory. You know, it, you know, it, it was. I think Rosalind Krauss was a was a co-founder of October. I mean, it, it's oh, kind of like you know, basically, you know, for like sort of the American art history theory establishment, oh, October okay. is kind of publication, and it's and it's you know, it's it's written. It's an academic publication. It's peer reviewed, so it's it's kind of hard to read. But I was endless, endlessly like fascinated with like the, you know, uh-huh. what they were writing about, even if I didn't really get most of it. Yeah. <laughs> um. But you know, it was my kind of sort of my stumbling upon like uh basically a form of like you know very formalist like you know you know high theory kind of academic art criticism mm-hmm. but i found it interesting even if i didn't quite understand what the hell was going on right or what position of all these people were or what they were actually talking about it's yeah, so weird <laughs> um, but it was i mean it was kind of a germ or something and, and and it does it does kind of carry on because it's like a lot of my interest in like design design art you know what have you criticism kind of comes from these like periods where i find some things by accident i mean i think you know finding like you know emigre was kind of the same way kind of yeah. a, you know a few years later like the mid late 90s mm-hmm. um it was literally out, you know randomly on some newsstand uh basically in a bookstore i was working at so i mean it's, it's like you oh, know these wow. things are kind of by chance but you, there's also a sense that there's you know you you know there's a certain sense of delight that I, I know I have that kind mm-hmm. of, you know, is you even unconsciously. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's all these things are totally by accident, even though they seem completely like random. <laughs> right. Right. Of course. And, 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 you know, I, I, I was pretty disenchanted with the biology major, you know, by the end of four years. And we, we, <laughs> we actually have to do like a thesis, like an undergraduate thesis read. So I basically did, did what they call a library thesis, which involved in the laboratory work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, it was it was almost in a sense a sort of like I mean there's no there's no such thing as theoretical biology but it was like the closest thing I think you could I mean it was kind of like that I mean I barely remember what the hell I was doing I mean I was I was interested <laughs> in like viruses yeah um, and the kind of basically the sort of genealogy or like or the phylogeny and history of like viruses so it was mm. it was kind of like a weird quasi historical project yeah. Um, I imagine if I actually had been a little, I mean, if I had somehow stumbled upon, like, say, the history of science at that point, mm. I'm, you know, or if Reed had maybe, I mean, they probably had something in that area. But, you know, if I had if I had figured out that there actually was a way of studying the history of science or something like that at that point, I might have gone down that track. Oh, interesting. Um, 
I was definitely more interested in the sort of the humanities side of, of pretty much everything, including the sciences. At yeah. that point, it's a good a good experience to have that kind of sort of <clears throat> practical understanding of like empirical research, you know, um, mm-hmm. which is still pretty esoteric to most people. I mean, yeah, you know, for, I mean, for you know, for reasons that are, it's not like something you do in like even your garage yet. It's, right. It's, you know, it's just very, you know, it's it's, it's science literally. Right. So you right. Totally. Have a certain body of knowledge, you know, you know, both practical and theoretical. Yeah. <clears throat> so you know, undergrad is like, you know, basically the foundation for you to go to grad school in biology. That's mm-hmm. what that's what most of the majors in like, you know, basic biology did. So I went to grad school in something totally different. Yeah. So how that how did that happen, or or what what was the trigger that made you think? Because you went to grad school for graphic design. Yeah. It yeah, was for your yeah, MFA, uh, right? Yeah, Cal Arts. I mean. So, like, you know, after I graduated, um, you know, from Reed and, like, it was, like, 93, 90, yeah, basically 93, um, I I eventually got a job working at a bookstore for several years, Um, and this was Cody's Books in Berkeley, California, and and this is notable purely because that's where I kind of stumbled upon Emigre Magazine and, like, the newsstand at Cody's while I was working there. Yeah. Um, And that was my, you know, accidental, you know, kind of... yeah. Gateway drug into graphic design, I would say. Yeah, interesting. Um, and you know that that was one of st- it was it, it was kind of the um, era when they went from like the big tabloid size down yep. to kind of the magazine size. So it was you know they were in the kind of process of scaling down the magazines like a smaller and smaller yeah. page. Yeah. Um, it, it was still kind of it was kind of in its heyday. Still, it was, they were publishing interesting stuff that you know it was a combination of like kind of work and like essays um, mm-hmm. and that kind of interesting kind of blend that they kind of you know, did in that, you know, it was, it was late nineties. So it was kind of the Haiti of like magazines in right, general. Right. <laughs> right. So you saw this, so you saw this magazine and just like basically yeah. devoured it and was like, yeah, this basically. Is I mean, it, it was one of those things where I, where I, where I basically thought, oh, okay, this is interesting because it's like, it looks really interesting, but there's actually interesting content. People are actually writing about design in like interesting ways. Mm-hmm. So it was like a combination of the two. So it wasn't yeah. just like a portfolio kind of, you know, magazine or like a strict, you know, so like something like October, which is like all text basically and a few images. Yeah. It wasn't like a strictly academic thing. So it was kind of this in between kind of mode of like publishing and like criticism that I, I you know, that I found both accessible and actually really, you know, in- interesting. It was something that was, you know, that you could literally pick up and kind of get, I yeah. guess, if you were of the right mindset. <laughs> right. And did you know, like, did you know that graphic design was a thing? Were you aware of that as a profession at this I mean, time? Only, only kind of some, almost like a, a subconscious way at that point. But then, you know, when, when I saw Emigre, I realized, oh, this is actually like a thing you can do. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> isn't just like you know, is it isn't you know, because I think if you know, for most people who don't have a design background or aren't interested in it, it's just like eyewash all the right. stuff. Once you understand it, like you know, everything is like designed. But then, like before that kind of point, you it, it just it's like background noise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when did you start writing about design? Was it when you were at well, Cal Arts? Yeah, it was mainly when I was was at Cal Arts. So you know, the the Emma Gray kind of discovery was kind of percolating in the back of my mind. I became more interested in design. Mm-hmm. I actually took some like basically evening classes through like UC Extension in uh. Berkeley. Mm-hmm. which is kind of like my, my sort of forced first kind of it was basically like foundational classes so i took like a couple of type classes like a you know like a you know graphic design yeah. like you know one class like literally <laughs> um but 
and like a color theory class and they actually had some really good teachers there at the time hmm. which i think which i think actually helped quite a bit because i didn't i got a really good impression about design from the kind of the beginning and that was just kind of dumb luck i think yeah <laughs> but you know so i took a few you know you see extension classes and then and then you know I, you know emigrate had a very strong association with, association with cal arts mm-hmm. so that's how it kind of like cal arts came on my radar um just because of you know basically you know all right. the people published in there you know jeff Keaty. Um, yep. And I, you know, you know, and I, and I bought a bunch of their back issues, um, which are now like probably worth ridiculous yeah. amounts of money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they are. <laughs> at, the time, at the time, you get them for like you know fifty or twenty bucks or something like that. It's relatively cheap, mm-hmm. but you know, so I basically just kind of bought a good chunk of their back catalog. <laughs> um, uh-huh. This is kind of like you know, sort of like self education. Yeah, you know, but it was that was kind of my informal introduction, or that's how I kind of right found Cal arts to be interesting and, and it was, you know, and, and, and I basically, you know, end up doing a little bit of like design work for like, you know, the place I was working at, you know, uh-huh. just kind of in house. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much very run of the mill, like, you know, designing like a catalog, you know, but it's all this kind of, you know, stuff that's like just, you know, kind of blah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I figured I was, I was always thinking that, okay, so you can kind of do some stuff, you know, you, you, you know, some basic stuff, but you know, this is actually a more, this whole, you know, this whole kind of discipline is more interesting than just, you know, designing, you know, just mm-hmm. crap. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's, yeah, you know, there's totally. two ways of critical inquiry or doing things that are, you know, that are more interesting than just kind of like day-to-day kinds of functional, mm-hmm. like, you know, publication design. Yeah. <laughs> um, this- so I basically decided at one point in the early, you know, this is like, yeah, I must have been 2001, 2002 to just apply to the program. Okay. And, and, you know, you know, their MFA program at CalArts and graphic design. And, you know, you know, they had, I think at that, that point, they were kind of introducing that three-year program because it's, it was usually like a two-year program. Right. And they, they kind of expected you to have like professional experience and usually like an undergrad degree. Okay. Um, but the three-year program was actually really, I mean, I think I applied to the two-year program and they basically, you know, they, they, you know, they basically decided to kick me down the three-year program, which in retrospect was, I think, the appropriate choice. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> I think I needed that extra year of foundation. I right. mean, pretty much, pretty ambiguously. I didn't have a huge problem with it at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't really know what they were thinking and like letting me into the program, but <laughs> they apparently saw something in the application. You know, maybe I mean, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a halfway decent writer, I guess. I mean, that I think application essays help, but you know, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, my portfolio was probably okay-ish. It didn't. I wasn't completely, you know. Mm-hmm garbage <laughs> yeah um you know they saw they saw something so yeah <laughs> i mean it's interesting it's interesting to me because i think in a lot of ways my introduction to graphic design was very similar to yours mm-hmm. you know basically 10 years later where i my kind of first awareness that this was a thing was through like uh, design observer and yeah. speak yeah. up and all of those and so i saw it as this kind of not just making stuff that looks cool, but also this kind of critical discourse around it also. Yeah, yeah um, totally. How did that kind of affect your approach kind of going into CalArts and, and where did you start kind of writing this, writing about well, this yourself? I, I started, I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of, this is kind of a funny story, but I basically my kind of introduction to kind of like in a sense design criticism was, you know, it basically, I think this was in our, this is in my like final year, kind of a thesis year, a third mm-hmm. year. And we, and we do this 
this project, which is basically a writing project, kind of early on in the year, in like the fall semester, I forget, they had a name for it, and for the life of me, I cannot remember what it was called officially, but I mean, yeah, yeah, I think the curriculum was much different now, but it was basically, in a sense, writing, you know, I can't, it's funny because I, I wrote this piece that actually was eventually published in Emigrate, I think the 67th, you know, it was basically... I wrote this piece for this class. Yeah, it was a kind of like, like a prelude to like thesis work, mm. and and I turned it in and I got it back, and then and then the the, the immediate response I got was, and it might have been I don't know who, I think it might have been Michael Worthington, but he basically okay. said, you know, this is completely wrong, Randy. You didn't do the assignment, <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, you know, you really should think about publishing this. Oh, interesting. No, I mean, it's, I think, I'm pretty yeah. sure it was Mike. I might be mis, misremembering my own past, but I'm pretty sure it was Mike when he said, yeah, this this isn't the assignment, Randy, but it's really good and you should think about publishing it. And I'm going, like, what? <laughs> and this is like, this so, is like the first time you've kind of ever really written anything yeah, about yeah, design. I mean, yeah, I mean, exactly. This is like basically my first ever writing something about, basically a kind of design criticism. Huh. Um, and. It was basically, yeah, so at that point I was going, huh, that's, that's, an interesting, that's the most interesting kind of feedback I've ever gotten in yeah. anything ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that actually did eventually <clears throat> lead to, to Emigrate Publishing, the kind of essay. Okay. And that was basically the first thing I published. No, I think it was published in 2004. It was basically talking about, it was, I think, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you read this piece, but it was called like the Grand Unified Theory of oh, Design or something. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, of, it was. Of nothing, right? The Grand Unified Theory yeah, of nothing. nothing. Yeah. It's like. I wrote this like got over 50, almost 15 years ago. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly. That's probably one of the first things of yours I ever read, actually, yeah, is that yeah. piece. And it, and it was anthologized in like that Looking Closer 5 yeah. or 6 or something like yeah. that, too. So it got out there. Oh, that's um, funny. It is one of the first things people usually find if they do a Google search. Because I think a good chunk of that, one of the anthologies is, or maybe even that, the issue of emigrate is actually on Google Books in like mm. partial form. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's actually pretty defined, which is kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. That, that that all came out of like basically a, basically a grad seminar class, kind of like a pre thesis. I mean, I might even I can't maybe I even wrote that in, in like a, maybe the spring of my second year. I can't remember anymore. But it, it was like published in two thousand four. That's why yeah. I remember at this point. Okay. Okay. Um, did that did that kind of like spark something in you? Like, oh, I could. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it gave me an idea that that. <clears throat> well, I mean, first of all, that that someone besides myself thought that my writing was was decent, mm-hmm. right. and also that oh, there was there's actually there is some sort of like need for this, or there's an audience, or you know, at that time, emigrate was kind of the big kind of you know house disciplinary yeah. for like graphic design, which obviously doesn't exist anymore. Um, but you know, that at that point, it was kind of the you know, it was kind of this clear, kind of clearinghouse for mm-hmm. basically design graphic design criticism. Yeah. And so Which, and now you are you currently in in the critical studies PhD program or have you f- like what is what is kind of your Oh yeah, I mean there? I'm basically <clears throat> at the you know I'm I'm basically at the stage where they call um you know ABD all but dissertation so okay. I'm technically a candidate. So okay. I mean you know, I'm like well, you know, so I'm like you know 80% done. Okay. Just a matter of writing you know and what you're finished writing the dissertation and what what made you so that's that's a it's a phd in critical studies well yeah no i mean and and this is like the 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 other kind of uh sort of jump in my career is like going from like kind of graphic design world um to kind of architecture 
PhD kind of world. Yeah, that's what that's <laughs> where I was curious. I wanted to try to figure out where those things came yeah, so together. I mean, it was it was kind of you know I was, <clears throat> I mean, to make a relatively long story short, I mean, I, you know, so after grad school, I I, I kind of did the kind of standard freelance thing. Um, okay. I, you know, yeah. I actually worked on a couple of projects with um, John Sueda in his office. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but after that, I, I eventually found this. I got this position at this company called the Grateful Palette, which okay. was this a, a, a another like um, interest. Well, actually, it was a very ambitious company at the time, which no longer exists. <laughs> but the Grateful Palette was interesting because, and it, it also has a college connection because you know they they were an Aust- they basically were a Australian wine importer hmm. that decided to go into the business of making their own wine. And their kind of their kind of um, angle on the kind of in the wine industry was actually doing inter- really interesting with labels and packaging, mm-hmm. and, and they basically hired a lot of <clears throat> actually really good designers. Um, you know, a, f- a few of which were, were actually kind of were basically Cal Arts people. Um, they, okay. they, they actually had Jeff Keaty do do actually oh. label, basically labels for some of their most popular wines. Um, but you know, the, basically the owner of the company had you know decided <clears throat> basically decided that you know wine plus like graphic design was a good thing and mm-hmm. you know like packaging design yeah. um so so kitty was one like i think one of the first designers to work for them um but you know he, he they, you know they actually ended up basically like you know contracting a lot of you know people who had gone to cal arts to do mm-hmm. you know basically design for them um you know so i basically worked for them as basically an in-house designer for like basically it was over almost three years okay but this was like basically right right kind of ramping up with the financial crisis and the, and the great recession um, I was actually laid off from them, I think, in late 2009, and and I, it was kind of nice in the sense that I actually could get unemployment basically for mm-hmm. for a while, mm-hmm. um, which <clears throat> made like making a living like less like of a sort of like five alarm emergency. Right. <laughs> so I had I had a little time to kind of step back and figure out what the hell do I want, want to actually do next. Yeah. Because at that, that point, I was somewhat disenchanted with like the actual practice of, of graphic design. You know, like just basically professional practice. Yeah. I think for reasons. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> um. So I, I basically took that as an opportunity to say, okay, what 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 the hell should I do next, and what I actually want to do next? Um. So, you know, you know, I, I was based in L.A. You know, I, I basically uh-huh. stayed in L.A. after after school at Cal Arts. Um. So I was thinking, looking at kind of programs like locally that, okay, basically were in critical studies slash history that were kind of related to design and you know there there isn't much if you look at like i mean even if you like look broadly like even nationally there aren't a lot of programs that directly address say yeah. design as kind of like or the history or theory it's it's often you know you, you can take classes in it there, there might be i mean you know there's stuff like the you know sva's program or like you know that they're kind of yeah. a design research or like design yeah. criticism program yeah yeah um, the decrypt program really exists that. i think UCLA was interesting because they actually had like a master's in critical critical studies. Yeah. Um, which was basically what <clears throat> I thought was interesting, and you know, and, you know, and their, and, you know, it was basically it's basically a critical studies program within the architecture school. It's not like in an art history program. Oh, interesting. So in a design program, um, which oh. is is very typical for architecture history. Is is it basically is in the same department or school as the architecture, like mm-hmm. the professional school yeah so so you're part of that kind of you know you're, you're part of that right department directly not in art history or like critical studies which are often like separate departments but they usually have nothing to do with design or architecture right. yeah um, yeah 
so you know that that you know that was interesting to me because it's like you're both you're basically in a sense like studying the history and theory of this discipline but you're you're both you're technically in the professional you're you're adjacent to the professional program yeah as you were working like after Cal Arts and before <laughs> UCLA, were you yeah. doing any writing at that time also, or were you kind of solely yeah, I, I, a practitioner? I, I yeah, I, I was doing some stuff on and off. I, I, I did a piece for a John Suede's Task newsletter. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I did that piece on Steampunk for Design Observer. Right. Which which was one of, I think, the most, probably the most widely disseminated thing that I did, at least based on, like, the, the, the crazy comments that... <laughs> Yeah. plus comments yeah but it's, it's an interesting way of getting immediate feedback mm-hmm. on on your work but i'm not saying feedback in the sense of people actually reading and commenting on what you wrote but then but also it was more like feedback in a cultural sense of like people are really invested in this concept of steampunk whatever the hell that is, is nowadays right. <laughs> but it, it was it was more of an interesting kind of like you know, the fact you get 100 plus comments on like a design observer post, you know, and most yeah. posts get maybe a half dozen at the most. Yeah. Kind of indicates that there's something going on here in the culture and like design is intersecting to it. But I'm kind of like writing it as an outsider to like the steampunk sub- kind of subculture. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I mean, that was interesting purely because of that, that sort of this kind of cultural or this kind of, you know, right. intersection of, of di- like totally different cultures in a way. So, um, that was, it was, it was interesting. I mean, it was, you know, in a sense, you know, comments are comments. They don't do anything to you. I mean, right, right. at least back then they didn't really do anything to you. I mean, you know, people can be kind of rude and kind of pseudo semi nasty, but it wasn't, you know, just like just a bunch of stuff below the article. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so do you, did you, as you, while you were practicing as a designer, you were also kind of doing some writing on the yeah. side. Yeah. Kind of and, nice yeah, and yeah. then now, are you doing any graphic design, or are you kind of solely in well, the theoretical I, I was, side? I was doing a little bit of graphic design on and off. I mean, I was doing like kind of public, yeah, basically design for this like this kind of literary like literary journal called Palabra for a few years. Um, that that kind of stopped. I mean, it was a lot of it's like a time, especially right now, kind of a time constraint thing. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's, it's, I mean, especially with the dissertation at this point, or, or that it's, it's, it's like one of those kinds of thing where you, there's no deadline, but you feel morally obligated to work on it to some degree every day. Right, right. Because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a huge piece of writing also, I think. Um, so a lot of it's like, yeah, time and, yeah. and time constraint. Yeah. Um, it'd I... be something to be interested in kind of approaching again in the future, but have to figure out what that actually means. <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason I ask is because when I originally emailed you to ask mm-hmm. about, you know, talking to me for this, you know, and I kind of said, you know, this podcast is about the intersection of kind of criticism and theory and practice. Yeah. And you said something really interesting about like, I don't know if I see my work that way is more of just like one kind of practice and another kind of practice. Yeah. And yeah. I found that I, I found that phrase so interesting and was wondering if you could kind of just kind of unpack that a little bit or, or the way you think about these two sides sure. of your I mean, work. I think that's, I mean, in this, in the sense that, I mean, especially in the sense that I'm, you know, now teaching again in a, you know, in a design program at CCA, um, you know, it's, it's, it was just, and this is kind of a, I mean, you know, or in the sense, the sort of like standard model of 
professional practice. You know, you generally are, you know, a designer working usually for someone, for a client, either, you know, obviously in a freelance capacity or as, you know, an in-house designer somewhere. You know, it's, it's you know, so, so in the sense that, you know, you are basically working for someone else. Right. And you're producing this service, you know, I mean, you're not, in a sense, you don't have any real ownership over the product <laughs> or what you're designing, no matter how good or bad it is. Um so, so that's you know that sense. Okay, that's like the standard design practice. People understand that you know that they you know you're you're you know you're producing your design, you're making things usually for someone else. You have no control over the content, or you have you know you have no ownership over the final product in mm-hmm. most most cases. I mean, some cases you do, but it's it's fairly rare still. Um, so you know that's a standard kind of model of, of professional practice in probably the most conventional sense you know possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, that's your designer. You know, you are part of design culture, and you know, you 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 know, you have maybe your influence, and you know, have whatever way you want to cut, kind of like, you know, quantify, qualify that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but 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 I guess maybe in a broader sense, that, this idea of of you know, well, what is what does a practice do? I mean, mm. in, a, in a weird way, you know, I guess there is no real goal for practice, is there? <laughs> I mean, you can make a goal up for one, but I mean, you yeah. know, I, I'm not sure what that is. I mean, you can say, huh. okay, design practice is, is basically enables you to make a living doing design in some fashion, yeah. right? Um, but, you know, the way I kind of think of it is, uh, you know, okay, these are all ways of, you know, if you're a professional practitioner in design, you're, you, you know, you, you influence people basically with what you make, I guess, mm-hmm. um, whatever level, you know, if you're working for cultural institutions, if you're working for like some kind of agency, if you're working freelance, you know, what have you, um, you know, if, if say you're, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're basically, you know, functioning as an academic, you know, you have a teaching practice, you know, you're, <clears throat> you're influencing your students in some, some fashion, right. whether if you're having them say if you're leading say like a seminar course and like say history and theory stuff, or if you're like leading, you know, you're, you know, if you're teaching them in the studio, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're influencing them in some way that is often really hard to quantify precisely, or even, even in a qualitative sense. Like how yeah. are you, influ- I mean, you're influencing them in some way, you're giving them like assignments, briefs, projects, readings, but mm-hmm. that actual influence is like, well, <laughs> right or i mean how, how much do they take credit for what they do say after you know you've taught them or even the result of like say you're a studio class it's i mean it, it's it's tricky because it's like yeah you're, you're giving them assignments and they're doing things that they wouldn't want to do probably by themselves but you know and you're giving them guidance and feedback and criticism but like how it actually all comes together you know it's kind of a it's a little mysterious to me even in my kind of you know rel- i mean relatively limited experience as a teacher yeah <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking about, you wrote that piece a couple of years ago called uh, The Uselessness of Design Criticism. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, which is kind of like a, you know, kind of like a, a bold title. Um, but I'm curious, you know, what value do you see in kind of having a critical, dis- if any, what value do you see in having a critical discourse around graphic well, design? that's, I mean, uh, you know, I was actually kind of thinking about that question like this morning you know before you know, i got on skype and started talking to you because you know it's like it is one of those like it's one of those like kind of big big picture questions like so yeah. why do you write like any kind of criticism right you know design yeah. graphic design, or in any sort of like about any kind of like aspect of culture because i mean <clears throat> and i was thinking about the, and this is kind of my or my appropriated catchphrase you know i think design criticism is like broadcasting in the blind 
and and this is you know broadcasting the blind is kind of it's one of these stupid it's it's basically comes i think from that movie gravity it was basically the space junk destroys everything in space right right yeah i know what you're talking about <laughs> um but 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 i see i see it's upon that term because it you know i actually had to look it up but it all of broadcasting the blind means it's kind of like this basically a technical term for basically transmitting on some kind of you know radio telecommunications device basically broadcasting without having any idea of like who is receiving your broadcast or mm. who, who's receiving the transmission mm-hmm. so, so you have no idea of if anyone's actually receiving the message right so broadcasting you know design criticism being kind of like a broadcasting the blind kind of like paradigm here or model is yeah like literally you're, you're putting this stuff out there and you have no idea who's reading it or like what they're getting out of it or if anyone's even reading it at all right um but but that right now that seems to be a very at least for me a kind of it's it's a good way of thinking about well what is design criticism yeah <laughs> um, because yeah i think you are generally literally broadcasting to possibly no one <laughs> um they're probably they're, there's an audience for everything i mean even if it's a small audience but you right. don't know <clears throat> who that might be or who, who's read something or who's going to read something you know it could you know maybe it could you know something you write could completely change someone's way of thinking about something alternatively it could be totally meaningless yeah. <laughs> have no yeah. whatsoever. um but you can't control that i mean you can control that to some degree i guess by like you know writing something that gets widely disseminated maybe but even then there's no guarantee that you know if things that get widely disseminated every day are often you know crap right yeah <laughs> or or you know as as the kind of you know the popular catchphrase goes now fake news or right. you know things are just not worthy of wide dissemination but they right. get out there right and they actually have tremendous influence on a, on a lot of things um I but mean, you it- can't I don't really control that. <laughs> it, it's it's interesting that that you kind of are making that distinction though, because I feel like that that piece on the the uselessness of design mm-hmm. criticism is not what I took away from it was not that you were saying that design discourse is useless, but that design discourse for a kind of general audience who are not designers, the way architecture or film yeah, has critics, yeah, yeah, like yeah. that is actually maybe not as uh will never happen maybe yeah i mean i mean i, I think in that i mean that piece i was yeah i mean i think that's 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 a pretty good reading because it, it, yeah i basically was saying that it's <clears throat> i mean in the in the sort of general purpose sense yeah i mean design criticism is kind of a niche has a kind of a niche audience i mean it's not i mean you know there probably are exceptions to that but you know you, you don't have you know most you know most daily newspapers that still exist do employ some kind of art critic right. and, and movie critic. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you're lucky, an architecture critic somewhere in there. But, you know, design is not considered worthy of even, you know, maybe they'll reprint something that someone else published. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's not considered worthy of even, even like, you know, like a kind of like a, you know, a part time staff position. You know, you don't, there's not considered, it's not considered that important. Or maybe it's in a sense so, such a huge field in a sense that, they have yeah. no, there's no way some one person could cover it right so yeah yeah <laughs> and, you know i think I was, I was also trying to like you know because i was writing about experimental jet set mm-hmm. in a fairly critical way yeah um but it was i was also trying to make a point about this, this the, the kind of of the actual relevance of criticism to that people who are actually in the profession or the discipline and which i think i think at that point i was kind of questioning whether there actually people thought there was any any use for it at all yeah <laughs> um, right right because in a sense if i remember what i was saying basically about external jet set that there 
their efforts to preempt criticism were kind of creating this kind of like, well, there is no, basically, there are, you know, if in essence, as a designer, you're saying you're beyond criticism or that any criticism of you is mm-hmm. somehow a pers- like a veiled personal attack or an ad hominem attack, then, then basically you're saying you don't really do any, I mean, you're basically saying that there's no discursive space to your discipline. Therefore, it's like, what's the point? There's, I mean, you know, oh. you, you, everyone make, people can make stuff. Mm-hmm. It can look good or bad, but it's like, but there's no real discussion about, you know, of it after that. Mm-hmm. There's any, any kind of like serious kind of inquiry or like, you know, thinking about what the hell graphic design is right. <laughs> in say right. 2017. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that leads perfectly into what my next question for you mm-hmm. was going to be is what are, and this is something that I think I've asked everybody that I've talked to, what mm-hmm. are kind of topics or issues or things in the design profession that you think need a critical lens kind of turn to them or are not being discussed enough? Or what are the things in the design discourse that kind of designers should be talking about and thinking about? Well, I mean, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of, things like i could come up with like a laundry list probably i mean i guess i kind of have maybe two points of view here i guess to kind of okay. distill it down somewhat okay <laughs> um i mean i think and i think i think you if i remember correctly i think you interviewed someone who was like a technology critic or yeah or, yeah sarah sarah um, watson Mm-hmm. That's right, and, and and I think I actually, I, li- I listened to part of that that, that podcast also, not the, not the whole thing, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. But I'll, I'll probably finish it later, I imagine, because it was, was kind of interesting. One. Yeah, I liked. I was pr- I was proud of that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, no, that that actually was a really interesting person, I think, to, to interview mm-hmm. in the context of like you know designer graphic design. Yeah. But but that kind of I think kind of underlines my you know this point is that you know does just designers in general don't. You know, designers are very adept at using technologies of all kinds. And, you know, people, you know, generally, you know, I think designers both by nature and just by their education are incentivized to, like, approach technology with a very kind of open mind and they want to learn everything. (laughs) Um, You know, because the tools are, you know, nowadays are relatively easy to use across a whole range of media. Um, So, you know, that in a sense gives designers a kind of plasticity of, like, you know, both of what they can do and what they can think of doing. Yeah. Um, but there's very little writing, you know, even in architecture to a large degree, there's very little writing, very, you know, there's very little writing that considers technology, you know, critically from like a design point of view, you mm-hmm. know, of like say, you know, we understand, you know, you, you know, there's all kinds of people who, you know, in the media who write like say, you know, basically reviews of software, of right. hardware, of, gadgets basically right um a kind of functional consumer kind of way but there's very little understanding or kind of critical assessment of like technology from say a design standpoint i mean there is you know there there is in a broad sense i mean there's there's you know there's there's lots of stuff in media theory that i think is you know very relevant to like designing even for design um but it it, it's it's still like a push to kind of bring these two things together yeah Um, but it's even just like understanding the kind of basic history of the tools designers use. I mean, hmm, where are you going to learn that unless you go out of your way yourself to teach you, you know, to teach you that? And and, right. and especially in the context of like teaching, you know, a grad program. I mean, designers should understand at least the kind of basic, you know, kind of history or you know, sort of understanding of like 
what are all the tools you're using? Where do they come from? And like, why do they exist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a really interesting history and that, you know, but there's not a lot, there's stuff out there, but you have to kind of like cobble it together still, you know, there's no, you know, there's no big book on like, say like the history of technology from a design standpoint. That's really interesting. In architecture. I mean, architecture has a little bit better kinds of, you know, you know, there's more people writing architecture about things that are adjacent to this, but it's still like one of those things. Well, I mean, you know, if if you wanted to like have your students like critically look at like say Photoshop, where right. do you go? Yeah, you have to cobble a bunch of different things together from like dozens of different sources. You know, a little bit of history of technology, a little bit of you know media theory. Uh-huh. There's some stuff, a little bit of stuff in design here and there, but it's it's like this. You know, it's like well. Yeah, it's like these basic things that we use every day. No one understands them, really. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. I, I mean, I'm exaggerating it, but it's not. I mean, it's it's kind of true. It's like, where's the big book on Photoshop from like a sort of, you know, in a sense, like historical slash, you know, yeah. design theory yeah. view. There is not. <laughs> no one no one has given me that answer before to that question. Yeah. And I have never thought about that before. But that I feel like you're exactly right. That's so interesting. My, 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 the second point I would make here is, and, and this is kind of like something totally opposite, you know, as I think, and, and this is kind of, this is like a broad kind of generalization, you know, and, and this is somewhat based off of like working with like, you know, students this semester and kind of their thesis projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of a, just in a broad sense, I think there is a renewed consideration of what, say like you know as and you know as say like a graphic designer what does a graphic designer do in 2017 as a graphic designer yeah because graphic designers are kind of it's like okay so i mean print isn't really dead but if you want to make your you know living as a print designer purely your your opportunities are becoming probably more limited <laughs> it's what's you know everything is 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 basically becoming or is in a sense digital already to some mm-hmm. degree and design is kind of following, you know, that kind of path, you know, away from say, or less print and more like screen. Right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and you know, it's, it's, you know, the sort of bar for like, you know, just production of like things that we consider graphic design is so low now, mm-hmm. you know, anyone can print a book, anyone can right. print a magazine, anyone can print a newspaper for relatively, like, really cheaply, you know, yeah. for like under a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah you know so like tools are have been you know as they say democratized so what is it that a graphic designer does yeah. right now how do you uh-huh. define yourself as a designer or how do you define the discipline because anyone can do this stuff i mean the quality yeah not anyone can <laughs> right. just because you have the tool i mean you're a designer but the tools are there mm-hmm. even if you, someone has no experience they can kind of do something serviceable <laughs> yeah yeah i i literally was writing about that today and something Mm -hmm. that I'm working on related to this thesis of kind of just questioning, you know, what does it mean to be a graphic designer in 2017 when all the tools that we use, everybody can have them. And there are websites like Squarespace where someone can make a really good looking website in like two hours. It's it's all templates, basically all templates, but they're, they're good templates. I mean, you know, you can get a decent looking, you know, in a sense, you know the average level has has gone up because mm-hmm. the defaults have gone have gotten better over time. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. mean people are better designers. It just means that like the, the 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 yeah the average the default templates are a lot better than they were like ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something I found myself saying a lot, um, you know, as I've been kind of talking to, to people for this is that it you know it almost feels like every 
kind of generation of designers has to redefine what graphic design is for their generation. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and, you know, you have to have a kind of knowledge of history and, and kind of understand where we're coming from and, and the uh, kind of historical trajectory that we're entering ourselves into. But, you know, can we really keep kind of like, and this is not against Paul Rand at all, but can we still, do we still look to him as, as this is how you make a logo? Like this is the best logo when the worlds that we're designing for are completely different now. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, you know, the, even, you know, his UPS logo, the little, you know, box <laughs> and string, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, that's history because it does, it just doesn't really work anymore. Yeah. You know, at least UPS doesn't consider it kind of, you know, emblematic of their company or what they right. do as a, you right. know, what, what Brown does now, basically. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, so much for the sort of, you know, the, I mean, yeah, every kind of design has like a shelf date to some degree, whether we want it. To admit it or not, you know, it'll be historically important, you know, the kind of UPS logo, but it's not going to be in use anymore or hasn't been for like years at this point. <laughs> right, right. Being in an architecture program and uh, in a critical studies program in an architecture program, which you're exactly right, is so interesting. Has that changed how you think about graphic design or have you seen the things that you're kind of writing about and studying make its way back into stuff you did as a graphic designer? Um, I think, I mean, I think definitely yes. I mean, it's because, I mean, you know, it, it's, I mean, and, and I, I would actually kind of think about this in, in the sort of like, you know, even though this is kind of an unpopular, unpopular thing to say, you know, there, there is a, there is still kind of a hierarchy of kind of design disciplines. Yeah. And architecture is, you know, historically speaking, at least the kind of master discipline in design, right. um, for better or for worse. <laughs> um, but I, but I think it it is it's been very valuable to kind of have both the kind of training and kind of access to kind of you know architecture mm-hmm. discourse. You know, both and kind of seeing what how people are are taught in architecture school. Yeah. Um. You know, but also in the sort of critical study sense of like how architecture is describes itself in a sense in a kind yeah. of you know, disciplinary sense. Um, if in the kind of big picture sense, what I'm, tra- you know, I have this kind of interdisciplinary or transdisciplinary, pro- you know, project maybe, um, but only in the kind of vaguest way po- possible in a sense. <laughs> at least, at least the way. I mean, at least in the sense yeah. that I don't want to. I mean, it's. I'm still wrapping my head around a lot of these ideas, but I mean, it's. It is interesting to see a lot of the kind of parallels Mm -hmm. that that are that i think have developed between say like something like designers are are interested in and like what architects are interested in Mm -hmm. um you know because in architecture there's a huge or there's always you know there's you know architects draw that's kind of one of the distinctive foundational skills at the very least (laughs) that that, that architects learn and that you know and that you know, drawing itself is this huge kind of discourse, mm-hmm. um, you know, both the drawing itself and like talking about the drawing. Um, but, you know, things like, you know, but things like that, you know, when you're talking about drawing, you know, that it's a graphic representation of usually on paper, at least traditionally, you know, even yeah. still on paper. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of intersections with at that level with say, <clears throat> I, you know, certainly ideas in graphic design and architecture that are very, 
very similar or maybe have similar areas of influence or even that were influenced by each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's always kind of fascinating because there is kinds, you know, so, you know, if you ask a graphic designer to talk about drawing, they're going to give you a completely answer, a completely different answer than say like an architecture student or a person. Um, mm-hmm. Even though there are a lot of similarities of how state designers think about, you know, say, 2D and 3D space. But, I mean, you know, the, the, it's kind of an area where there's not a lot of crosstalk, even though I think there should be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've often thought that, like, architects and, like, type designers would have really interesting conversations. Yeah. Because type designers are the, basically the graphic designers who draw. <laughs> right, and interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Draw. So I always thought that would be an interesting way of, like, trying to get kind of people who are actually doing very similar things but in very different disciplines to kind of talk to each other mm-hmm. um even if like in a sense type designers are working at kind of the you know millimeters in scale and architects work at like thousands of meters in scale potentially right so, right <laughs> um but i think you know there's especially in like the you know recent recent past 20 or 30 years a lot of interesting kind of parallels yeah possibly lurking yeah and i you know i've used i've used architecture criticism and architecture theory and architecture and the general architecture discourse as kind of my comparison to graphic Mm -hmm. design and a lot of the ways i've been thinking about this and that architecture always has had this kind of rich kind of discourse around it yeah do you do you think graphic design can have something like that well i mean i i would say that you know i think you know in a lot of ways, because of the history and because of ways the ways architects are educated, that they're kind of given license to talk about what they do in like a lot of different levels. You know, both mm. from the sort of high theory to kind of you know the sort of like you know kind of like the uh, operational lore, kind of talking to other architects. You know, and then kind of like even sort of broader, sort of more popular, con- yeah. you, know, you know, popular context. I mean, not a lot of architects actually write for like a mass audience. Um, that I can think of off the top, off the top of my head. But, I mean, they're, they're given license to, like, talk about what they do at all these different kind of cultural levels. And yeah. I think graphic designers should absolutely have that same license, even if they're, they're – but they're basically not given it. That's interesting. <laughs> Especially yeah. in graphic design. I mean, I'm actually not sure why that is. I mean, if, if I actually think about it, it's like I don't, I, don't, I don't know where that occurs or why graphic designers don't seem to be as, say, like, aggressive and, like, sort of – defining a discourse about themselves yeah. because there's stuff there <laughs> i mean i mean in, in a sense graphic designers have as much influence as any you know as architects over kind of everyday life right um in sort of more ephemeral ways but it's you know it's you know in a sense you know it's kind of overwhelming how much everything is has something on it every surface yeah yeah <laughs> whether yeah. it be a you know a screen surface or a printed surface it's like it's all designed by someone even if it's like badly designed <laughs> yeah yeah i when i talked to michael rock he, you know he said we can't escape the aspects of design anymore yeah no matter where we go we are surrounded by design all the time i think i mean i can't i can't remember the names of anything right now i, I don't know why but you know architects will you know, I, I think recently in Chicago, I think it was the Grant Foundation, there basically was like this kind of big event. And it basically was, you know, all these kind of, they all basically produces these publications. And it was, you know, they, it was about the writing. You know, so each, mm. you know, each, each person, you know, basically wrote a, like a short book. 
Um, Interesting. Basically about the sort of discourse of architecture, you know, for people, you know, for, for people who are emerging practitioners, you know, right. what they're interested in, what, you know, you know, what they, what they thought architecture should be or do say yeah. right now. You mean the, the, the equivalent of that in graphic design, you know, the graphic designer would be designing the books, but they wouldn't have any, you know, but it would be, you know, it would be less about the sort huh. of discourse. Mm-hmm. At, they, it would be less about them influencing discourse or graphic design, but but them, them in a sense having the opportunity to design someone else's content. <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean, designers have done similar things, but their contribution is often at the sort of level of designing for someone else, as opposed to actually producing the content. Right. And there are right. probably some exceptions somewhere. Um, you know, but when it comes to books, graphic designers design them; they don't write them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whereas architects can pretty much they can write them and they can even design them even if they don't design them very well. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the idea is that they have a license to you know to basically be considered in a sense authors. Yeah. Whereas graphic designers have to have make a humongous leap in order to consider themselves some kind of author or producer, say, of content or ideas or discourse, mm-hmm. let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of it in a nutshell. I mean, and it doesn't have to be that way, but. It is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm always, and may, you know, maybe in a sense to kind of refer back to Emma Gray. It's like Emma Gray was kind of that license. Yeah, yeah. To, to basically, that, you know, that, that, in a sense, authorized graphic designers to, like, talk about themselves. Right. <laughs> in interesting, provocative ways. And Emma Gray doesn't exist anymore. And, and there is no real replacement. Yeah, and yeah. That was much my... everyone that I've ever, you know, that had any kind of contact with Emigre, you know, kind of bemoans this lack of like, you know, there's a huge piece missing here, but no one really knows how to, how to like kind of replace it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like what we were just talking about where almost the world or the design climate is so different now that what would that thing look like in 2017? It probably wouldn't. And, and when I say look like, I don't mean just aesthetically, but you know, mm-hmm. kind of distribution and everything. And, you know, it's kind of, it's interesting to even think about with social media and everything is how do you even have a kind of central discourse or central platform that encourages designers to talk about yeah, these things? Yeah, 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 no, I mean, it's, it, you know, both a need for something to you know, have this kind of function, but also kind of, you know, they have to recognize, say, mm-hmm. a publication, whether it be online or, you know, or, or say printed, that this is kind of where you go for this kind of discussion, right? Right, right. And kind of generating that kind of momentum and kind of audience is, is really hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and usually expensive, at least, certainly, you know, certainly at the very least in time. You have to, like, build an yeah. audience and have, have, you know, people understand this is where you can go to, like, read stuff like this right right so. right yeah i you know i know i i know i said that that was my last question i have one more kind of quick question um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. who uh, who are the the writers um or designers or critics kind of working today that you think are kind of doing the most interesting work or, or uncovering the kind of interesting things right now or is there anybody that you're kind of gravitating towards um God, there, there, are, there, there are a lot of interesting people out there right now. I mean, I'm trying to think of well, I mean, one person that I, I've been teaching a lot of my kind of, um, my, you know, basically my seminar classes at CCA is um, Alexander Galloway, and, mm. and he's basically he's basically kind of a he's a media theory theory person. So he, he writes a lot about um, 
interfaces. You oh, know, okay. and I, I have my students read read like basically a, like a chapter or two from his 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 book called I think called the uh, the interface effect. Oh, I've heard of um, that. He he writes really, I mean, he, he you know he is writing in a very kind of academic, somewhat jargony kind of like, you know, relatively high theory kind mm-hmm. of way. But he he he, he a lot of what he talks about is actually very accessible. So so he's difficult on one side, but then I think students kind of do grasp at the kind of like kind of visual examples he uses. Yeah. Um, but he, he does a lot of really interesting foundational kind of thinking about like what interfaces do and kind of, you know, you know, basing contemporary media culture and like, yeah. you know, how, how they kind of operate or, you know, how the sort of politics of the interface operate, yeah. even if things, you know, you don't think of like these kinds of visual kind of formal, um, you know, apparatus or devices as having a kind mm-hmm. of politics kind of unpacks all that in a kind of interesting way. And I think it's useful for students. I mean, he's difficult, but he's good for students to kind of grapple with. Yeah. Um, He's not technically, you know, writing about design. And he he comes from like this very, you know, this kind of continental kind of like philosophical and like, you know, media theory kind of background. But he's he's useful because he does does look at things that we think are straightforward and and intuitive and make them like a lot more complicated. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is good for students to think about, even if you know it's he, he he's a tough read, but I think he's useful. I'm trying to think of something a little more <laughs> design related specifically. I mean, in a historical sense, I mean, I, I've, I mean, this is kind of me being a little more academic, but I mean, if you know the work of um, Felicity Scott, and she's mainly an architect- architecture historian. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and she, she kind of writes about kind of the period of like the late sixties and seventies mm. um, is kind of a, kind of the, basically the focus of, of a lot of her work. Um, you know, but, but she writes a lot of, you know, she, she's writing primarily about architects, but you know, in that kind of period, <clears throat> you know, that's kind of when, you know, pretty much all the disciplinary boundaries began to kind of like, maybe not, not disappear, kind of like become less important. Right. But she, she, she kind of writes about that, that whole milieu of like the you know, early, early mid seventies, um, primarily from like an architectural point of view, but you know the fact that like architects were using you know the medium of video extensively, right. you know, seventies, you know, is, is 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 an interesting, you know, she, you know, she's kind of like writing about the kind of last historical period, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's far enough away from us mm-hmm. um, that we think of like that period as now being his basically part of history as opposed to yeah. like something that's contemporary let's say but yeah um but she's always she, she's interesting because she kind of provides that kind of historical perspective on recent history let's say mm-hmm. and that you know that is a little more academic you know i don't know if uh, i mean there might be some designers interested in, in that kind of writing but it is a little <laughs> yeah no i think that's great, i always though. think of it yeah it's, it's totally relevant but then also it's, it's also hard you know because she has you know she has a very clear kind of historical project and kind of like a you know, a certain way, you know, you know, way that she thinks about these things that are, that are not, you know, they're not quote unquote useful to practitioners, but I think mm-hmm. they're important. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, those are the kind of the two things that stand out in my mind right now. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. No, I'm still think... like five years over. I'll think about, I'll, I'll think of a third thing. That's that, that, too, that would be even more interesting to me, but yeah. yeah. Like... <laughs> well, send them, you know, send them over. I can put them in the notes, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. when I post yeah. this and you know, oh. I, I thought this was great. Thank you so much. 
for talking to me. I, I found this so interesting. And well, thanks Derek, for, for interviewing me. Yeah. This is, this is my first kind of official interview, I think. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, great. Now I love it. This episode was recorded on February 24th, 2017. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and at ScratchingTheSurface.fm. Thanks for listening.